how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're bottom. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. The biographical musical drama Clouds is based on the memoir Fly a Little Higher by Laura Sobiek. In the film, a young musician named Zach Sobiek, played by Finn Argus, discovers his cancer has spread and he only has a limited time to make his dream come true of becoming a musician. In this interview, I talk with screenwriters Kara Holden, Casey Lascalia, and Patrick Kopka about writing this story. Casey was initially approached with the books thanks to his previous work on A Walk to Remember. He sent the book to Patrick, who also felt an immediate connection. The duo wrote together in a few ways, but couldn't quite find their way into the story. They did a family version, a teen version, and eventually they found Kara, who came in with fresh eyes, to change the point of view to Zach's. In this interview, the writers talk about building on artistry, the framework for this story, how to craft true stories, and what it was like to work with Disney Plus and all the complications that came from trying to release the film during the quarantine. I mean, it started out actually seeing Zach's video, weirdly. Um, my wife had seen uh, the video online and she came in going, you have to see this. And then when I looked at it, I was like, wow, I was really blown away. And then randomly a month later, um, I, my manager of the, at the time uh, said, Hey, I've got this really interesting book. I know you produced a movie called the walk to remember um, it's in that space. It's already kind of gone out. People looked at, looked at it, but you might be interested in it. And it happened to be Zach's story hmm. a month later. And I was like, Whoa. And I, 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 I went and talked to my wife I go, this is that, that, that kid's story that you saw. And uh, just after reading it, the book, my, my wife and I actually read it uh, the, um, the same weekend, like on a Saturday, we were just both reading it and we were both weeping. Uh, and that kind of, and Patrick and I talked about it. I sent Patrick the book and, and he just really, you know, got, got attached to it. And, uh, and then it was just a kind of a pilgrimage of trying to get it going. And that was the difficulty 
Um, that's the longest, that's a, that's a, that's a conversation in front of a different time that going, but the point is that the, 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 you know, every studio in town had said, no, they, they basically passed on it. They'd already seen it. They kind of said, Oh, it's faults in our stars. What's the movie. So we kind of got gone around and even Warner brothers at the time had already passed on it. And uh, it was just fortunate that the, the, the president of production at the time was uh, I had a relationship with him and I called him and said, Hey, listen, you got to really look at this. We're going to come in with this approach and uh, you know, you guys have already passed on it. And so kind of like almost as a favor as like the last favor I had for this with this, my friend, he said, fine, come on in. And we went in there and we ended up, you know, overturning that pass and we set it up at Warner brothers. And uh, you know, it just was from that, that point on, it's been kind of this living in this beautiful kind of accelerated magic, you know, as things started happening. Cause again, even at Warner brothers, for that matter, didn't really know what to do with the movie. I mean, they, they were kind of trying to figure out how, to, how do we market it? They were comparing it to other films of, you know, MGM had just come out with a, a film very similar that really didn't, didn't do well. So they were trying to, the distribution marketing, we were having a tough time figuring out how they wanted to play this. A Star is Born comes out, that kind of seemed to help us a little bit. But really what, what you know, what happened, I think was, we, you know, we were in the process of developing it with Warner Brothers and we'd done different drafts you know, Patrick and I did the the family version, then we did the the teen version, and we kind of you know we're going around, and then we ended up finding Kara, who came in and just really kind of you know we'd been developing this for with Warner Brothers for a couple of years, and 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 Kara came in with this just just breath of fresh air and kind of looked at the script in a different way that we had you know because we, when we're in there, you're kind of trying to you know piece together what's already there, and she came in and said okay fresh eyes what do i find interesting about this and and then it sent it we started getting a bunch of momentum which was really great but it was you know that process of getting the movie set up at warner brothers and get it was a very very long it was a long and painful process um but it ultimately worked out but it's just, it just i mean for this this one when i tell when i when i talk about this this project i i, I love to talk about you know, when you're getting involved with, you know, films or TV, it's so important to have that passion at the beginning, like really, because nobody knows it, you know, everybody on this, during this, this, this ride, this adventure had said no, they said no to our face, they said no behind our backs, they said no, and you just don't, if you just, as long as, you know, as long as you have that kind of core passion for this is a story that needs to be told, we were able to break through and kind of get it and find the pieces that we needed to, you know, to, to make it land. And so it's listed on IMDb. You said there's a couple drafts, uh, Casey Patrick and, and Kara all story by Kara's kind of got the screenplay by credit. So what was your take on this, this latest version the the draft that kind of got shot Kara? So, yeah, I came in, um, I guess, yeah, it was like 2017 or something. And I knew that uh, I also had seen the original, you know, YouTube video and heard of, of Zach and heard the music and, um, thought it was pretty amazing. I came at it uh, from through Justin, the director. Um, I had done work on a movie called Soul Surfer, uh, which was about the girl who had her arm bit off by the shark. It was a true story. It was a, a biopic and I guess had a little bit of a similarity in that sort of inspirational field. So he knew that. And so he called me and said, I have this project that I think that, you know, you might really be interested in, would you take a look at it? We're really just sort of look, trying to 
look, have fresh eyes on it um, and see if it sparks with you. And so I saw that I watched the documentary and felt kind of overwhelmed because I thought, oh man, <laughs> this is such an incredible story. This is such an incredible character, but it's so sad and there's so many parts to it. It's the family and it's him and whose story is this? And um, I was actually like, honestly, pretty scared of it at first. Cause I thought this, this story, you know, des yeah, deserves to be told. Am I the person to do it? And um, started, I had actually just had my own son. Um, so my son was 10 months old, I think. And I, was like, oh my gosh, immediately was from, you know, thinking from the mom's perspective, I read her book. So I read her book and I saw the, um, you know, the documentary. And for me, I, I just had this thing one day, <laughs> I, I was trying to find a way in and whose story is this and, and what is, and I just had this feeling that it was Zach and he said, it's my story, let me tell it. So then I was like, okay. So how does Zach tell this story? You know, like, how does, how do we see his perspective when so much of this is happening to him? And that's when this, you know, picture of this essay came into my head as far as like this feeling of how we could hear from him, this college essay that could be the surprise of how we're hearing his, you know, his voice from beyond, um, was the first thing that kind of I settled on. I thought, gosh, that might be an interesting way to do things like that he's confronted with this college essay and that it's, you know, the worst thing ever because he realizes he'll never go. And he, so what's the point of writing it? But by the end we discover that he wrote it anyway. And so I called Justin because, you know, it was important for me to stay true to the story, but I did want to be able to have room, um, you know, to make it cinematic and to make it fictional. So I said, I think I'd like to do this. Um, is this something that would work? And, and that's when Justin called Zach's mother and said, you know, is it okay if we say that Zach wrote the college essay? Um, and she said, well, he did. I have it. <laughs> and so Justin was like, oh my gosh. And I, you know, so then she sent it to me and that gave me so much of his voice in a whole new way and, you know, started listening to interviews and stuff. So um, the framework started to come from, okay, so if this is his point of view and he is, you know, the, the quotation that, that I use just because it's guided me in my life so, so often is the Mary Oliver quote, what is it you're going to do with this one precious and wild life? Um, and I thought, okay, that's Zach's question. That's his theme. That's what he's going to do. What is he going to do with this? It doesn't matter how much time it is. What is he going to do with his life? And that's when the big light bulb went off. This isn't a story about dying. This isn't a story about a kid dying. This is about a story about living and how to live well. Um, and so we started to really focus on the music. One of my favorite movies is Once um, the musical. And I'd loved that what people know about Zach is this song. So how much can we focus on how this song came to be and through that, see his arc and, and what he, how he grows and what he goes through, through this, this song that he creates, um, to take us on that journey. And then each character started to be fleshed out from there. What is it they want to do with their one wild and precious life? What is it Laura wants to do? What is it, you know, um, you know, Sammy wants to do. Um, and so kind of it, it grew from there and it became this 
love story to music, but we also had the elements of the teen story, elements of the family, but kind of all of it from Zach's perspective and point of view is where, I guess, where I dove in, <laughs> what I brought to it. <laughs> so you mentioned um, this story and Soul Surfer. Those are both like, if they weren't based on something true, they might be too harsh to make into something fictional. Yeah. Do you, kinda, do you guys all kind of see, um, in addition to the responsibility of telling a true story that even though you went through all these struggles, is it more likely to get something made when there is this, well, we know this part is true or something like that, as opposed to a completely fictional story? Anyone else? I mean, <laughs> I think, I think it, I think it, it just, it really depends. I mean, the walk to remember was based on a Nicholas Sparks novel. Um, you know, again, just if you're talking purely from getting it made at a studio I think having a life, having a true story uh, enables the studio to market it and really connect with, I think, the audience uh, easier. The only trick there is, you know, there's a, you know, it's a double-edged sword. When you're writing a true story, you have to be, you know, it has to be authentic and, you, and you're kind of in a box. You can't just go off and you know, oh, what's best for the film? What am I going to do? You know, and, and when we're doing, we're working on the Nicholas Sparks novel, certainly, you can take some liberties. You're still in that box, but if you're, if it's completely fictionalized, you can really make up what for whatever, you know, you can take care of the plotting, however you want it in this story. I mean, we really, all of us developed a relationship with the family and we really were, it was really important to all of us to make sure that the story was told in an authentic way and that we didn't, you know, there, there was some dramatic liberties taken, but all, and I think all of them were really kind of, true to what happened even though they might have been a little bit heightened or changed a little bit but it was pretty we were pretty true to it so I think from a marketing standpoint from the studios they love the idea of a true story but for the writer yeah. you know it, it it makes it harder I mean it, it really does it's 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 it, it's it's painstaking putting together the the pieces of the story I remember uh, Kara coming in with her approach and it was just like she had like all these cards and it was just like you know you really have to be <laughs> There's a book. This is, I mean, her book, the source material was, just, you know, was just like a memoir. It was like a day in the life, you know, and how do you tell that story? But there's so many different pieces and how do you stay true to each character? You've got the, you know, the mom story, the father's story, the kid's story. That's all. You have to be very careful on how you shade all of those stories. And, you know, and, and, and I think in, in film specifically, I mean, you want something that's cinematic. I mean, people go to theaters because they want to have that experience that, you know, so you have to kind of, you definitely on one hand have to kind of tell a story in a cinematic way, but you know, there is, you know, there's something to be said about being true. And in this case, the beauty of this story is that the family a hundred percent and everyone who actually lived this a hundred percent supports and loves the film. They love the end result. And that doesn't happen a lot. I mean, frankly, I've been doing on the producer side, I've been doing this for you know, quite a while. I've, I've dealt with a lot of films, as a producer of a life story and it doesn't come out like you have a lot. I mean, you've probably seen how many times you've seen based on a true story. I mean, and you have people coming out like they're suing, you know, defamation and, and those are, that's kind of more of the norm, frankly, uh, where you have people supporting the film and this one, you, you, you won't, you won't find anyone who lived this story that doesn't have anything good to tell have only good things to say about it. And, and I was just going to, I was going to add too that, um, I thought one thing that was really that was really great was um, we all had tremendous access to everyone, you know, like all the people in the story, and they were all very concerned with, you know, some things, you know, in life, 
they knew things someone else didn't know, you know, like they were mm -hmm. always sensitive about what this, what bringing up something might do to someone else's feelings or how they remember that something happened. And I think there was just sort of a feeling of, you know, trying to take care of everybody uh, while we were doing it. So not to like upset someone or within the boundaries of still telling the story in the most true way we possibly could. And I think, I think, uh, you know, we really worked with them the whole time to, to sort of get, make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing that added to this, because I've done a couple of other true stories um, that I love that are crazy inspirational, that are amazing people that um, haven't yet, you know, made it uh, to the screen. And one thing that this one has that also not just an incredible family and Zach as an amazing person, but it really is great music. Um, and so that gave it also an extra thing um, that the studios love because it was like a true story. And here's this music that's been written that we can use and that we can really get a sense of the characters from and um, that, that people can relate to. And um, that was really special and cool for me to have, you know, that as well. So on top of, yes, it came from a true story also came from a real artist. There's already this artistry that was built in that, you know, we got to, that we got to then build off of Zach's artistry, which was kind of cool. So this question might be more like the type of questions you got approaching studios or comparing it to Walk to Remember and some of these other stories. Did you guys only focus on let's make it as authentic as possible? Or do you also have conversations of, well, how do we talk about death in a movie that might be geared towards teenagers or something like that? How did you kind of think about those type of things? Well, I think one of the things that I also, that was important to me coming into the story, I said, okay, we're gonna, like the death thing is the elephant in the room and like, let's just hit it from the very beginning. So we, so we get, can get past it and let this story breathe and be about Zach, Zach's living. So that moving that moment to the first act, um, structurally talking in like a screenwriting way was really helpful. Um, I think for, you know, teens, family, everyone, we're not gonna like dance around it. Let's, we'll talk about what's real and what really happened, but we're gonna show you this isn't the end and this isn't, um, meant to be melodramatic or despairing. This is meant to be a launch pad of hope. Okay, we have this news, how do we deal with it? This is something people get every day in their lives all around the world. We all will encounter it. So we kind of wanted to approach it in that way. Zach himself said, you know, like, it's kind of that idea of like, not everyone, you know, everyone dies, but not everyone gets to live. And, and it's that sort of feeling that we, wanted to be really true to like, look, yeah, this is just a fact of life. We don't have to like over, you know, melodramatic dramatize it, but we don't have to shy away from it either. Because you know what? I, I firmly believe that kids, that teens, they just, they, they know a lot more than we think that they do, um, that we give them credit for. They're able to understand and absorb and think about a lot more than I think people give them credit for. So I didn't want to talk down at all. I didn't want to um, sugarcoat, but I didn't want to get like super dark and despairy either. Cause that's not what this is a story about. It was just like, here's something that happened. This is some news that he got. 
sooner than anyone would have hoped, but now what do we do? What do you do with this life? And then the hope comes in and then it becomes a movie that's not about sadness. It's a movie about joy. Um, and that, you know, flipping that perspective was, was really important, you know, for me in writing and learning that that's sort of just in the director was one of the things that he really said. No, like every time we came back to, no, we're writing a movie about hope. We're writing a movie about joy. And it's not about, you know, we're not lingering in this other stuff, but we're not going to be scared of it either. And I love that. I think that was so important and why this movie resonates so deeply because, mm. you know, we, um, we wanted it to feel like, yes, everyone can relate. This is life. Life is happy and sad and tragic and amazing and beautiful. And we tried to put all that in one film. <laughs> was this always going to be a movie? Was it always a cinematic story? Was it ever considered to be like a series? And I'm also wondering when Disney Plus got involved with it as well. Uh, well, we never talked. We never talked about it being a series. Always a feature. And uh, Disney got involved after. I mean, this is all kind of right in the kind of close to the pandemic, but most of it was. Uh, you know, not to get so deep into the the, the po politics, what happened, but there was, you know, they launched, Warners had launched HBO Max, they needed content for HBO Max. Uh, and there was a decision, uh, instead of releasing it theatrically at Warner Brothers to go directly to HBO Max. And we had an out in our deal that if they didn't release it theatrically, that we could explore other 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 avenues and Disney really stepped up. They really got the movie, and um, we went with Disney. That's that's the kind of the the, the audience, you know. Yeah. yeah, the audience of Disney Plus seems. Um, it's it was the it was the it was obviously the right the yeah, perfect, you know because again going back to, you know how we sold the movie, and just being in the kind of development process of Warner's, they had nothing like this, and you know again you go to the green light committee and then it's like, it goes to the, you know, you have the head of the studio, you have you know, the head of marketing, head of distribution, all saying, okay, how do we release this movie? You know, we tested the movie, it tested great. And then it's like, well, how do I market? You know, how do I market it? How do we distribute this? How do we do it theatrically? And it was kind of like, they believed in it, but it was really one of those backdoor conversations. I mean, frankly, we were the, you probably read about this, but within like, I think, four months or five months after we went to Disney, every film for 2021 for Warners was going to be released on HBO Max and it became a huge mm -hmm. issue. We were the first ones that actually kind of, those discussions happened with our movie. And so we were luck, we had the, you know, we were fortunate to have in our deal with Warner Brothers that we could, if they didn't release it theatrically, we could chop it. Other, the other films, you know, the, the, you know, you, again, you go, there was a huge, there's been a lot of articles written about what happened, you know, uh, when all the 2021 slate literally went straight to HBO Max, none of them. And it was a huge, you know, brouhaha. In fact, a crazy kind of um, black hole that's happening around, you know, films that are supposed to be released theatrically. And now are just being, you know, go going to streaming. We were kind of the first ones to kind of, you know, be talked about that. So Disney kind of, we were fortunate to find our home over there. Um, and, and I think it was the right thing for us, but again, uh, again, the trickiness of getting this movie out. I mean, again, there's a little, there's magic. I mean, there, the fact that we had that stipulation in our deal that we could pull it if they were, is that's, that was, that was solely because, uh, Wayfair, which is Justin's studio, 
uh, they had gotten financing and they picked up the finance because Warner was like, eh, may, you, know, maybe we, you know, maybe we'll have you guys finance some of the movies. So in order for Justin's company to finance half of the picture, that was a stipulation that was added that yes, we'll finance half of the movie, but if you don't release it theatrically, we'll want to be able to, to shop it to see if we can find it. And that's, so that again, if you look at the layers of the, of, of the kind of magic uh, that led us to where we are now, that's one of those, because I just think Disney was the perfect. So awesome. And, um, you know, to have Bob Iger be like, this is, you know, it was only their second sort of original yeah. film that they were, it was Hamilton. And then like, we want to do this to show what kind of, you know, movies and originals we want to do. And that was like really amazing to me because his taste, uh, you know, just that felt awesome that he got it and he got what to do with it. And he knew what, you know, how to, how to do it. And, and yeah, I feel really lucky. I think we had an awesome, I had an awesome experience developing with Warner brothers and, um, you know, the support and everything there. And then, and then this, yeah, this whole new, the distribution with Disney has been really cool. They've been an awesome team. Do you guys have any other conversations with Disney that you can share about kind of what they're looking for? Cause their Marvel stuff's a little bit darker that's on Disney plus darker than I expected it to be. Cause I didn't know if it was going to be strictly for kids or what they were going to do. And this seems a little darker, just content wise, maybe. So what are they, are they looking for young people and nostalgic, you know, older people or what's kind of their market? I can't really speak exactly to that, but I do know that they want family films that have that revolve around hope and what a person can do. So even Marvel is about like, you know, what is it this one person can do to help humanity? Like, what is it, you know, there's, there's an element of, how can this make the world a better place a little bit, but not in the Pollyanna, even though that's, yeah, one of my favorite Disney movies, actually. And I think Pollyanna is a lot tougher than people give her credit for, actually. She's like, come from people, like her parents die. Like people talk about Pollyanna. <laughs> like, I don't want to be Pollyanna, but you know what? Her parents died. She was living with an aunt that couldn't stand her. Like she had a lot of obstacles and difficulties and yet she met it with, you know, positivity and grace. And I think that that, you know, there's something about the Disney way of, yes, we have obstacles. Yes, we encounter. I mean, if you look at any of their animated films, there's such a deep truth in them about life and about stuff is hard, but hey, we can get through it if we just keep swimming, you know? Um, and Zach is, you know, one of those characters who says, oh, I've been dealt a blow, but like, what can I do with the gifts I've been given and how can I make the world a better place? And, and he does. And, and so I think that's how it fits. And I feel like that's sort of something that they, that they're focusing on right now um, as they kind of have, it's evolved a little bit. So it feels maybe grittier, but that element of, you know, even in the Mandalorian, I think the, the hope underneath it, that you're rooting for them, that they're gonna, they're gonna get through, they're gonna do the right thing. Um, is, is something that, you know, families can enjoy and have discussions around and how to do that in your own life. I think we're almost out of time. We've got one more. I'd love for you all to maybe answer it. Um, what's like the, the best advice you could pass along? If you were starting today, what advice you wish you had as a screenwriter? Uh, for me, I think my favorite advice is um, to always be writing. <laughs> you know, there's the 
ABC to always be closing, but it's, it's always be writing just, you know, you, you, hopefully you're writing something you're passionate about and you love. Um, and, and even, even when you're passionate and you love something, you, when you finish it, you go to the next thing. Cause you, you just gotta, you just gotta keep swimming, keep moving, keep writing. Um, that's how you get better. That's how you'll, you know, um, people can see you more. They can, they can realize that you're out there and you're putting yourself out there. Um, and I, I think that for me, that's been helpful to even when my heart was my heart, your heart will be broken. Um, in this because we, we love our creations. Right. Um, and sometimes things don't happen that, that they, you know, things happen that they don't deserve, but you can love that. You can say that was a great experience and then move on to the next and, and keep writing. Serve me well. <laughs> I, I think for me, it's like, I always think about Cameron Crowe talking about, you know, you do something that only you could do, you know, like he mm. never worries about when he writes a script that he's going to read in the trades, someone else sold a script like his, mm. he knows it's only, he, he can only do what he does. You know, no one else is going to, is going to do what he does. And I think you have to find that thing that they'd be almost terrified to continue with it without you. If you can find that kind of a project, something that's so specific to you as you're writing it, you know, and I think it's not always that easy to find those, but if you can find those, I think it's, that's the best way to, to work, you know? I love that. Real specific. That's thing. a great quote. You know, I always love that he's talked about that, so. I think, fine. and I think mine is, I think it's, it's always be writing. I think that's a really big one. Um, but coupled with that is, I think he should always, and I, I know Kara does this, is you should always be reading, like reading, like accomplished screenwriters. Um, I spent, you know, two years as a reader and that's all I did was read. I mean, good and bad. I mean, the thing is, it's like going back, as I spent two years just doing coverage, reading, 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 reading screenplays, you know, and I think that that kind of education helps you and then rewriting your own stuff over and over again. And, and, and I think the most important thing is what, what Kara said is you can't be, on one hand, you can be very precious and be passionate about your writing, but you have to be thick skinned enough to, you finish it, you move on, you start a new one and don't think about it. And I always, my thing that I live by, I've been this while is, is I do the very best that I can and then I turn the script over and it is, you know, and then, it, and then I move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And I, as long as I know that I've done the very best that I can, mm -hmm. then I feel like I've done my job. And so any amount of critiques or anything, I don't listen to any of that. I have a th you know, and I think, it, I think that's really important. You just do the best you rewrite, you do everything you possibly can. And then you just, you know, you, you go to, and it's my, my dad had this great thing. He's like, you know, you have problems in your life. It just spend five minutes trying to figure out what it is and then move on. Mm -hmm. And five minutes thing. And I, and I love that idea. And so I think a lot with screenwriting because, you know, it's hard not to get attached to your characters. It's hard not to get attached to your story. And, and, you know, again, I think we all have gone to bed dreaming <laughs> of the characters and the story and you're dreaming and you wake up and you have like, you know, figured out some, you know, some, you know, some plotting issues. I mean, you're like, oh, okay. We all obsess about that stuff, but you have to be able to, once you're finished with it, you have to move on and start you know, and, and develop a new baby. I yeah. think that's the, you know, that to me is really important. So those couple, I think it's just, it's like a three thing. It's like reading and understanding what, you know, what a good and what a bad screen, you know, screenplay is, 
rewriting your own stuff and being able to move on when it's done. That's mm-hmm. kind of, that to me feels like kind of the rules. That's at least my, my. And it's know, so book. easy right now. I mean, I had to go and I, yeah, you were a reader. I had to go to the, I mean, I, I gratefully was able to go to the Writers Guild Library and just spend afternoons reading and reading and reading. Now there are so many scripts online. So yes, everybody who like wants to be writing should be reading those scripts because they're, they're available. And that is so important for figuring out, you know, how people, how, how people do this, this crazy cool thing that we, that we get to do. It's funny, I, but while both of you are talking, I don't know why, but it just popped into my head that scene in Ed Wood you know, when he's on the payphone and, and he says, it's the worst script you've ever seen and you've ever read. And he says, my next one will be better. You know, <laughs> sort of, that is sort of how you always have to be thinking. You know, like, my next one will be better. You know, next you one will be better. I love it. You know, yes. Take it off and go on to the next one. You know, <laughs> thank you for tuning into the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.